0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mental Toughness and Body Show. My name is Rob Evans, and I'm your weight loss coach, health strategist, and internationally published author, helping take your life and your business, your health, fitness, mindset, and body from where you are right now to being unstoppable. And I've got an amazing guest with me today, um, Scott Anthony. How are you, Scott? Fantastic, mate. Great to be here. Yeah, fantastic. And thanks for giving up so much of your time. I just want to give you a little bit of a brief for introduction. So Scott is an award-winning business owner. He's a serial entrepreneur and podcaster. He loves discussing ideas and business strategies with like-minded and ambitious people. He's uh, spoken around the world. He's interviewed Dr. Phil, which is a great interview. Um, and he, what I love best is he's really got a no-nonsense, no-BS approach to success and looking forward to um, us having a really great discussion today. So thanks for joining us pleasure good to be here mate fire away bring us your best now on the mental toughness and body show we like to talk about mental toughness and success and i've been obsessed with it for um almost a lifetime now and i wanted to talk to you from one dad to another so i got two teenage daughters 13 to 15 and you got um four kids ranging from what 18 to 29 was it
1: yeah that's right
0: 18 to 29 so i really just want us to step into the dad corner for for a moment and um I really want to talk about how we create success as as dads. Mm. So I guess, um, firstly, how do you go about defining success as a dad for you? Um, The greatest
1: tool we have, and it took me about 35 years to work this out. The greatest tool we have are these little flappers. Yeah, And what I found was whether it's coaching clients, whether it's my wife, whether it's customers, whether it's my kids, every single person has one common denominator, and they want to be heard. And what I've found is four kids, four different personalities. And what happens is their view on the world, their view on their circumstances, their view on the way I do things with certain kids, and then different for them is very different from my own. And here I am thinking I knew everything, thinking I'm giving them all the same treatment, giving them all the same attention, giving them all the same love. Yet when I ask them, they have a completely different description. So when I ask the question, what is it that I've done this week? Or what is it that I've done this month or this last six months? That is what you want. And what's probably the number one area that you want me to spend a bit more time focusing my attention on for our relationship. And when I sit back and do that, they let me have it. And sometimes I wanna get defensive, Well, hang on, I don't do this, I do do that. But then that's me playing defensive. And so what I've learned to do is to just sit there and listen because it then encourages them that their opinion matters, their self-worth is important and the respect I have for them is equal across the board because whatever they're saying, even if I disagree, I'm in the learning stage. And that builds incredible trust and the fact that my kids and people that I coach with their kids, it's about building that bond where your kids feel safe to tell you the truth, even if you don't like it. And so then we get to learn, oh, wow, I didn't know you were looking at it like that. I can't imagine how you got to that conclusion, but how can I change? What is it that I'm doing that you want me to do a bit differently? And just by doing that, it it makes a massive, massive difference because I don't know what they think until they tell me and then they help me get better.
0: That's really powerful. And you've just mentioned so many things that we could have the whole podcast just digging into what you just (laughs) said. I wanted to ask you what, you said it took you about 35 years. So what was the the moment for you where you realised that what you were doing up to that point wasn't right? Because normally they're, they're, they're moments, aren't they? Something happens to Man, yeah. I haven't been doing this right for 35 years. <laughs> One of my coaches, actually,
1: Jeff, I was about 35, and I was saying something to him. I was telling you how frustrated I was because they wouldn't this, they wouldn't that, and they are all different, and why can't they just do things my way? Yeah. <laughs> and he's stirring his cup of tea, and he looks at me, and he says, have you finished? And I'm like, yeah. And he says, good. So how long did it take you to to get to this stage? And I said, well, about four years. And he says, right. He's stirring his cup of tea. And he says, so now that you're ready, I guess everyone else should be ready too. Mm. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I've got to give them time to go through their process to get to the stage where they're willing to listen. And he says, why do you pay me? And I said, to teach me things I don't yet know. And he says, do you think your kids could have things that you don't know from their perspective? Mm. And I said, yeah, okay, I get it. And that that was the penny drop. It was like a whole bag of coins just dropped in front of me and exploded. And I'm like, every coin resembles a perspective or an opinion or an idea that my kids want to share. And am I going to spend time giving them that option?
0: That fantastic. I love that. Um, this is one of the, the things that I think successful people realise and that is, yeah, that you've got these things to listen to and that, um, again, I don't know how many years it took me, but I'm, I find that I'm learning every day um, oh, yeah. with, with my kids. Something else comes up. And what I've, I've realised since having kids is that I don't always have the answer. I don't know uh, what's right all the time. Yeah. And guess what? At some point, your kid's going to be smarter than you are, which I guess is what every parent's hope is—that <laughs> they're going to know more than you do. Um, then you've probably done your job. Uh, but it's—it uh, really challenges you when you first get these thoughts, because it feels like uncomfortable inside. And you think, "Hang on, you should be complying with the way that I see the world." Mm-hmm. And, but what we're not doing is allowing them to see it through different eyes, because we don't have the—we don't have their lenses. And it's, it's so true because we have more knowledge.
1: We have more experience. We know more things. And so when we try to impose our will upon our kids, they look at us as like, well, that's the way that you view the world. That's your life. That's your vision. That's all tainted by what you've gone through. I don't see it that way. And then we're butting heads. We're arguing, this is how the world is. And they're saying, well, it's actually not. My world's different to yours. Yeah, And so we are like our parents were, I guess, the old dinosaurs, and we're not giving them respect to understand their world is different to ours. Yeah. And it's our ego. The minute we let go of our ego, like someone said to me recently, you can be a real asshole. And I said, yeah, you're right. And she said to me, you, you don't want to defend yourself. I said, no, No, I said, the things I've said in the past haven't been my finest moments, my opinions, my pushing narrative, trying to get people to conform to my way, they're they're not right. I don't do it now, but in the past, I have. And I'm learning from every encounter because the more I realize what I know, the more I realize how much I don't know. And it doesn't matter what someone else thinks of me, my ego would come into the front to fight, to defend my ego, And the minute i let go and said do you know it doesn't really matter what someone thinks because they're actually right based on all the reasons and all the information they've got or been given about me through their own assessment Mm -hmm. so who am i to say that your assessment's wrong i could say well you haven't seen this you don't know that but it's like i haven't been the greatest dad i haven't been the greatest husband but i'm getting better every single day and so that's my ego Like I wake up and I'm excited about the dad that I can be. I'm excited about the stepdad that I can be because my two older kids were two and three when we got together. And now they're 29 and 27. So they're amazing, right? But our other two kids, 19 and 17, the relationship we have is different between all four. And I don't care about the blood relation stuff. To me, they're all our kids Mm -hmm. and it's amazing. But my ego was my biggest obstacle. And the minute I could say, tell me your side, Tell me how I'm coming across to you. Tell me how it makes you feel because I want to tap into what you're going through so I can understand how I'm coming across from a different perspective and then learn how to change that. And I won't forget anything that I've done in the past. I won't forget my style or my belief. I'm going to keep that, but I'm also going to learn another perspective. And that excites me because my kids have opinions because they get to see this world in a way that I never see it.
0: Because
1: yeah. I'm not 17
0: or 25. Yeah, yeah, really great points. I can I can relate to, I can really relate to that. Do, do you think, if we think about um, one of egos is what you think this is, but um, we don't, well, I see lots of trends where people just, they're not connecting with their kids. They don't spend the time with the kids. 100%. Um, and you could say, oh, it's because they work. Um, you know, two jobs and stuff. I mean, we're both business owners. I can only yeah. imagine that you're probably working 12 to 16 hours a, a day every day. You've got four kids and you still connect with them and your partner. Yeah. Um, so what do, you, what do you think we're getting it wrong as dads? I don't want to single out mums either, but we're just talking about dads here. Because we're no, let's to- kick it. let's kick dads in the ass.
1: Dads, you're doing a shit job. Mm. Like, And the minute you can accept that, dad, you're doing a shit job, that acceptance should then not become a barrier instead it should be an open door dad you're doing a shit job you don't believe me hey i can sit down with your kids and i'll be in five minutes i'll get them to list the five things that they clearly want from you that you're not doing that you never give them and that you never ask them about mm. and so, so what happens sorry No, you so, what, so when i go through that process with the dads it's like Oh, but they this, they that. I'm busting my ass. I'm working so hard. I'm doing all these things. And it's like, great. Have you asked your kids if that's what they want? Mm. Because every single time, and I'm talking 100% of when I talk with kids from dysfunctional homes, broken homes, state care, foster care, there's some other stuff that I do there. Every single one just wants someone to care about them. Mm. They don't care about the size of the house. They don't care about the latest iPhone. They just want dad to listen to them with their eyes and not their forehead when they're looking at their phone. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Oh yeah, sure. And it's like the kids just want to know their opinion matters. Their question deserves attention and their frustration and their anxiety is okay to vent and share. And dad, we don't want you to come up with a solution. It's like our wives. They don't want us to come up with a solution. They just want someone to listen Yeah, And that's our job, but we're wired to protect, to provide and command respect. And so when I say, dad, we're doing a shit job, a lot of men get struggled with that. And then I just delve straight into the story with their dad. And normally within two to four minutes, grown men, six foot, hairy chested tufts are in tears Hmm. because the broken relationship passed down from their father to them and not giving the things that they wanted, stopped them from developing the skills yeah. Show their kids how to love them. Yes. But well, we can
0: fix it in 10 minutes. So why do you think there isn't an overwhelming hunger in men to be wanting to be better dads? So I know I'm generalizing there, but I, I would say the you know, the, by far the majority tend to focus more on, okay, I need to build my business, need to build my career, either yeah. that's their drive or they just don't want to, you know, bit of hands-off with the kids. Yeah. Well, why do you think that happens? Because I'm very hungry, like you, to be yeah. the best version of me that I can for my kids. It's it's all coming back to their relationships
1: with, in a lot of cases, um, with their fathers. Mm. Um, and I think in America, seventy eight percent of men that are incarcerated come from fatherless homes. It, it, statistics in Australia and all across the Western world are similar from broken homes and i'm not picking on people that come from broken homes or people who are in situations where they've had to break their home the simple fact is kids want love and these kids eventually want respect want recognition and they become adults and the only difference between a kid and an adult is the adult has more years on the kid but is still the kid on the inside yeah. And those unresolved issues from childhood contaminate or help them flourish in adult life. So men are working to prove themselves. Men are working to, to create recognition. You're wearing a fancy suit and a fancy tie. And when you came on, I'm like, oh, I'm only wearing this, this pullover and I'm thinking I'm not dressed, but it's like, how am I going to be judged by your audience? But it's like, from here, I've just come downstairs after spending half an hour with my wife. Yeah. And our kids are out and it's our time. Before then I'm working on one of our businesses. Then after that, I've got to go out and do some other things for business. But time, time is what our kids want. Mm -hmm. And we're so focused on getting our status and I'm an engineer or I'm an accountant or I'm an architect or I'm a headmaster or I'm doing this, this and this. So we can almost tick all the boxes for a scorecard. So our kids admire us and so our kids are proud of us and so our kids respect us. But when we're on that gurney and we're getting wheeled out to the morgue our kids don't go gee dad i'm so proud of you for being an architect yeah instead it's like i just wish i had more time with him yes so we're just missing that balance and it doesn't mean you can't be an architect or have your own business or do whatever it just means that sometimes even if it's 15 to 30 minutes a day with each child it's so powerful yeah
0: yeah Tell me, what what did you um, pick up from the parenting style of your your parents, the way that you were raised? Um, because it can be do, good and bad. And, don't do
1: to your kids what I went through.
0: Yeah, well, there, there you go. Well, <laughs> you don't need to say any more than that, really, because I, I guess the point was that people listening up to this point could think, oh, he's so lucky. He's gone through this amazing parenthood, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, being raised that way. And like for me, I'll tell you what drove me, and that was uh, my dad was very much nine to fiver. Okay, mm. he he worked for a, in a government job. He'd come home at five o'clock. He I can still see it, even though they're both passed away now. He would mm. he would come into the kitchen, give mum a kiss, go get changed, go out to the shed. I'd mm. stand at the back door and call him for dinner. He'd come in for dinner. He'd do whatever, then he'd go and watch TV or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember doing anything apart from one thing as probably a a seven-year-old being in the shed or something with him. I don't remember doing anything with him. And I said to myself, okay, there was a lot of love in the house, but I said, I don't want my kids to have that experience. Yeah, And so I I changed my career to run my own business now specifically so I could spend more time with my, my kids. And I was the um, you know, um, my, I'm divorced now, but my wife at the time, she went back to to work full time and I, I was the home dad running yeah, my business.
1: I, I think whether we like it or not, our kids are going to look at us and have a whole list of complaints. And yeah. I know that they're going to have a whole list of things they wish I could do better and the whole list of things they're really happy and proud of. But. Um, But I think the best thing we can show them is is how we love each other, how we show time, commitment and a constant hunger to be better and be willing to be open and listen. And, you know, now I talk to my dad, my mom's passed away. I talk to my dad and he can't remember the stuff that he dished out. He just can't remember it. And I've spoken at length through a lot of other experts about that issue. So he blocks out. violence and all that, he blocks it out because he doesn't want to own it anymore, because he's in a different state because of his job, where he was working two jobs, very hard, laboring, intense work. And his frustration, now I can see it, his frustration was what he took out on us. And I never want anyone to go through that. I think he was, I think I was it was in this house. So I was probably 51 when my dad first told me that he loved me. 51. And I'm like, my God! I mean, that I, I yeah, it was weird. And I remember I had to go to Sydney, uh, Sydney. I had to go to Las Vegas years ago. My son was about seven years old, and I'm tucking him into bed, I'm giving him a hug. I give him a hug, and I said to him, "I said, you know, I love you, mate, don't you?" And he says, "Yes, Dad." I said, "Well, how do you know that?" And he says, "Dad, you tell me every night." Yeah. And I said, "Yeah, it's because I do." And I said, "Why do you think I do that?" And he says, well, because you love me and I'm, and I'm a cool son or a cool kid, he said, <laughs> all right? And he says, and because your dad never did. Yeah, wow. He was, he was seven, all right? Like you still picture it, right? And I'm going through that and I'm like, wow, wow. Like, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. And so he was seven, now he's, now he's 18. So it was 11 years ago. Yeah. My dad told me that for the first time at 52, 51. So I know everyone thinks I'm probably 42 or something, but no, I'm 52. Yeah, me. I don't know, I'm 52. <laughs> but the point is, how can I be better for my kids? How can I, like every day I wake up, I'm excited about the better husband I can be, the better father I can be, the better person I can be. So if I'm hit by a bus this afternoon and they're wheeling me out into that morgue, my kids know I told them that I loved them. Yeah. I spent time listening to them. I value and respect and admire their courage to speak up, mm. and they know that I was hungry to get better. Yeah. Opinionated, feisty, ambitious, crazy, hungry to get better. Yeah. If I if I leave that legacy behind, that's what gets me excited.
0: Yeah, yeah that, that's really beautiful, and I think it, what people can take away from this is that none of us are given a, a, you know, the great rule book when we we become <laughs> fathers and or mums, and we have to work it out. But if you do have this undying hunger to improve yourself every single day mm-hmm. and you find the answers and geez, as mm-hmm. it, if you don't struggle, I mean, like we were talking uh, off air here, but I've talked about on the, the show a bit that my, I don't say what's wrong with her, but my daughter's in hospital for the sixth mm-hmm. time now and every single day we have challenges and, um, mm-hmm. And whether things are good or bad, there are still challenges. It's like, man, did I say the wrong thing? Did I react this way? What should yeah. I have said? And often what you need to do is say nothing and just, yeah. say, just listen. <laughs> um, now, Scott, I'm very conscious um, of the time because I know you had a time like, do you need to go now? No, no, we're cool. You're half an hour ahead of me, so we're fine. All right,
1: yeah, good old that. That Everything looks a bit slower there, doesn't it? I just slowed the world spinning down a little bit fast. So no, no, we're good for time. Yeah, all right, cool. You raised a point there about your daughter and and the struggle. We've all got it. And I mentioned about some of the things that I went through. And this is something I haven't shared before. So I don't know who's going to watch this, who's going to listen to this. But it's like the reason I set up a business I've got called Dad Worries is to help dads learn from the stuff that I've learned so they don't make the same, the same mistakes that I made. Or even if they have, it's like, it's okay. Sometimes we accidentally sabotage our fatherhood or our relationships or our success because we just don't know some things. So I'll share this story quickly. I was tucking my daughter into bed. She was about eight years old. I'm tucking her into bed, seven or eight. And I went to give her a kiss good night. And she says, dad, and I'm like, yeah. She says, you know, you really shouldn't hit us we're only kids and i'm like boom now here on live wherever wherever here i am admitting i used to hit my kids and a lot of people oh, how dare you how dare you well because that's what i was raised yeah on. broken wooden I was raised like the, Yeah. the belt the rope spanners thrown at me all sorts of stuff so when i was tired when i was working up to 130 hours a week to provide for everyone yeah I was going through the same process my dad was i was angry i was frustrated when things didn't go my way i would snap i would react and all i was doing was creating this fear in my kids and when my daughter you know i can still picture it like these moments you know you were saying before about moments when these things happen she's 19 now so it's like you know 8 10 11 years ago when she said to me you really shouldn't hit us i'd never heard that before
0: yeah that's that's deep
1: And she's a kid, and she said, "You really shouldn't hit us. We're just kids." I'm like, "My God!" This wave of emotion, this wave of guilt, and Mm. I was I was embarrassed by it, but I was so proud that she felt safe and confident enough. I mean, I didn't beat them, but I'd smack them on the back if they weren't doing as I told or whatever, smack on the back of the bum or that. Like normal kids, half of us got it, but it it taught me that a nine-year-old. Could see there's a better way for me to get her. Yes. Build the relationship and get the love and the respect and the discipline that she wanted me to help her get. And my approach was wrong. So it was in those kind of moments where I think, man, I've got some stuff to learn.
0: Mm. And these
1: kids are the ones that are teaching me.
0: Exactly.
1: So I'm like, man, but this is how it is. And you should this and you should that. And I'm like, I've got this wrong. Yeah. It's not that I'm naive or bad or or I guess wrong. It's like, there are other ways. And that's when I started to get excited. A few weeks later, my wife, she came to me, I'm standing by the heater in winter. She brings me this, this, this parcel day before the night before father's day. And she says, I want to give you this. So you don't open it in front of the kids. But she put her hand on my chest and she said, but please don't get offended. And I'm like, what is
0: this? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like, why am I going to get offended? And she says, Well, when you see it, you understand. You you might understand. But just obviously it's a book and I've read the first chapter and it just blew my mind. But please don't get upset. And I'm like, why do you think I'm going to get upset? Because I was working crazy ass hours. Yeah. I was, I was so worn out just like my dad, that I was the grumpy person, just like my dad. I don't want to do that. So I'm opening up this brown paper bag, or this wrapping. And it said, Strong fathers, strong daughters. And Dr. Susan, I forgot her name. And I'm like, Oh my God. And she, my wife's intently looking at my face, looking at my reaction, see how I'm going to react. And I'm like, This is amazing. And she's like, Oh, r- really? And I'm like, Yeah. Like, I've always raised our three daughters to be strong world women so they won't take any BS from a boss, a partner, or anyone. So when they're alone in a house or an environment, they have the determination, the strength, the will and the courage to say, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. You're not treating me like that and have the fortitude to move away and leave that relationship or leave that environment and not become a victim. And they're incredibly strong, independent women. And that's always been my goal because I know how domineering males can be in some situations. I didn't want my daughters because we feel helpless when we're not around then we can't protect them. I didn't want my daughters to, to succumb to that kind of life, because it's very hard. So I'm looking at this book, and I was so excited that my wife thought he might like this, he might get some value, even though she was worried, I might get upset because of my ego. Yeah, I'm thinking, this is awesome. And as I'm reading this book, this doctor is telling the story about her dad never praised her never gave any kind of love, never gave any kind of recognition. And one day as an adult, she was walking down the hallway and she walked past his office in their home. And she heard him on the phone talking to someone. And he was on the phone saying how proud he was of this woman, how proud he was of his daughter, what he admires about her, what he loves about her. And she stopped dead in her tracks as she's walking past the hallway door or the office door. And it's like, why did you never tell me that when I was a kid? Yeah. Why are you telling other people? What about me? So that stuff just gets me so excited because some of the kids I work with that come from foster care and state care, they've been sold for drugs, swapped for sex. It's just horrendous, horrendous stuff. Yeah. And I say to these kids, you know, the, the first chapters of your life, that between 14 and 17, they've been written by other people. But we now get to go and become the architects, the authors, the poets, and the sculptors of the next chapters of your life. Yes. So what they've done doesn't say anything about you. You were just there. It could have been you or someone else. You were just there. Yeah. They just had an issue or a frustration or a stress point, and that's their behavior. But it wasn't personally you. And what are we going to go and do next? And I just get so excited about who we can become and who we can be help and help other people become by just sharing that knowledge.
0: Yeah, so
1: I could talk under wet concrete. So
0: I don't even know if I answered the question. <laughs> no, no, you have really well, and that's a nice segue into the next part because I was going to say that there'll be people listening to this thinking, "Wow, I I wish I had that connection that that you've got uh, with your kids, and they wish they had that too." And I was thinking about um, maybe if we come up with a bit of a uh, kind of a, a bullet point list of some things that we could tell people that they need to do to become better communicators with their kids yeah. and i'm going to kick it off by the first one that you said which was these things here making sure that yeah. you you listen yeah. one of the ones that i see often you said before about the phone having the phone in the head down you've yeah. got you've got to be present to yeah. your kids don't just be in the room with them and sit there with the remote or on the other couch and you're still doing you're, you're looking at yep. your phone but i think being present is one um, what are some some other ones that you can think of that are going to help our stupid dads that can't. Um, <laughs> and,
1: we're not, and we're not stupid dads or doing a sucky job. Like I think I said before, it's like the minute minute we say, you're not doing a very good job, people's egos comes up and we get defensive. Mm. It's like, recognize that. But the minute someone says, you're not this, you're not that. It's like, oh, we go into defensive mode. And it's like, maybe that's the issue. Maybe mm. you're putting yourself, your opinion of what you're doing before theirs. And it's like, just step back and recognize that and go, wow, this is how I would normally react. But now my purpose as a dad is to have the kids want to tell me something because they know I'm not going to go off on a tangent. Mm -hmm. And believe me, I do. But if they know that they can send a message and they can share something with us, that we're not going to explode or we're not going to try to fix it, which is really hard, right? Because we know the answers to everything or a solution because that's how we're wired, right? Even if it's wrong, there's a solution, just do that or don't worry about it. But the fact is they are. So the minute we can feel ourselves about to come up with a solution, recognize it and say, wow, that must be really hard. Or I've never looked at it that way before. Can Mm -hmm. you tell me more? And that shows them that, oh, Dad slowly just stepping back just a yeah. little bit. I mean, my,
0: don't just jump into the solution mode.
1: Even my wife took me years to learn this. And she says yeah. to me, for God's sake, can you just stop? Yeah. I'm like, now what have I done? I'm programmed
0: what? to solve your problems. What That's are you talking right. about? Like,
1: what's going on? She says, I don't want you to fix this. Yeah. Sometimes I just want you to listen. And today I was just on a project that we we're doing about eight doors down. And she rang me about something. And I saw the call come in and I answered the call. And she, she said, how does it go with such and such? And so I told her and I said, how are you today? And I've seen her probably an hour before. So how are you going today? And she said, "I oh, it's really good. Then she starts telling me a story about one of the kids she was talking to. And one of our kids. And then she starts telling me a story about one of the other kids. And I'm still, I mean, I've been doing this for so long, but I'm still amazed. I'm like, man, I'm getting this stuff right. like it's like she rang me to ask me about one thing to do with the Renault project. And then she told me about one of our daughters. Then she told me about a conversation with our son. Then she told me another conversation about something. One of our other daughters is dealing with. And I'm like, wow. All she wanted to do was tell me, didn't need a solution. Yeah. Didn't want an answer. Just wanted to know that I was going to listen. And I'm like, I'm getting this
0: right by doing nothing. Yeah. Getting it right. Well done.